It's Sunday Social. Everything you need to know about social media with Vaughan Davis. Welcome to Sunday Social, show number 228 of goodness knows how many. I'm Bourne Davis with you right through till 8 o'clock when the weekend variety wireless Sunday edition kicks off. I haven't heard that song in ages, but I've been spending a lot of time listening to Spotify and it just, just surfaced. It surfaced in a playlist and next thing you know, I'm down an Australian crawl rabbit hole. How hey, lovely to be part of the show as always. Text me, 3920, keyword live. That'll pop up on one of the many screens in front of me here in the heart of the News Hub. You can tweet me, at Vaughan Davis. Later on, Mr. Paul Brislin joins me. Well, I'll tell you a secret. I'll let you in on a little secret. He's here already. He's here already. There there can't be anything nice for dinner at Paul Brislin's house because he's here already. Uh, He's got the lowdown on why Dick Smith, yes, that one, he's still alive. He's very much alive. And he's really, really upset. Uh, We've got the latest challenger to trade me. There haven't been many challenges to trade me recently, but uh, another one has sprung up. We're going to give you the lowdown on that. And, of course, we've got the very best in Taupanga, and we're going to korero about pai papaho papari. Back soon. banks and often the first thing that comes to mind is something like the one from Harry Potter. Lots of wood panelling, enormous metal vaults and quite possibly goblins behind the counter. These days you're as likely to run into a web developer at a bank as you are a goblin. And leading the charge at BNZ is Chief Digital Officer Stephen Bow. Welcome to the show. Hey Vod, how are you? Chief Digital Officer at a bank, what, what does that mean and what do you actually do? So, so that's a good question. I suppose, look, my role and, and the work of my team is we look after all our um, customer-facing online channels, so the website, the um, mobile apps, internet banking, and we do a bit of in-store digital media. I suppose, look, the way the team is structured, we're kind of an eclectic group of people from all kinds of disciplines, um, from people like uh, customer researchers, uh, UX and interaction designers, um, comms and copywriters, to developers, testers, BAs, platform engineers, um, web analytics. There's a whole range of skills within the team. We kind of um, operate within small small squads each squad has a mission wait a minute uh, you you just you just said squad does this mean that you are operating in a trademark uh, agile in trademark form <laughs> we like to operate in that way um, as best we can I think we've got our own kind of practices but 
the, the whole essence is to try and bring uh, multi-skilled teams together um, with a common purpose and give them the sort of tools that they need to, to build software better for, for customers. And I suppose the whole passion or like the one thing that's kind of true about every single one of these squads, they, um, they're all real, really passionate of, of trying to transform banking, trying to make it better for customers. You talked about apps, and you know I'm I'm a I'm a BNZ customer, but I'm, I'm, I'm I think I'm the customer of about three banks. So I'm a, I'm a little bit free and loose with my banking affection, to be honest. Uh, but I've got the BNZ app that you know I transact on, uh, which is which is which is great until you know until it doesn't work and I can't pay my bills and things. Uh, what are the other apps that you create there at BNZ? So the, the primary app is our, our banking app, and that's got all the capabilities people need to, um, like, do their banking. And, you know, we're seeing now mobile, that's like 80% of our online traffic is through the mobile channel. And, you know, about seven or eight years ago, it didn't even exist. But, you know, we do have a, a few other apps that we've been working on. So... One of the ones which is kind of interesting was uh, a little app that we launched recently called Convert It, which allows customers to, when they're in a foreign country, just um, scan a barcode or um, an item uh, in a foreign currency and work out, be able to convert convert it back to New Zealand dollars to see how much it's going to um, see how much it's going to cost. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to move beyond banking. We're trying to find those, um, you know, those pain points. So it's just those moments of friction and how can we, like, rethink those and make it a little bit easier for how, how, can, how can we lubricate them? That's what you do with friction, isn't it? How, you, you, you're you're di- digital lubricants. So, I mean, a, a, co- a colleague of mine was just in Vietnam and, and, and he, he made the point, you know, he'd find himself – uh, quibbling over a, a, a fifty thousand, whatever the currency is, their price difference, and then he'd realise, oh, that was just five bucks. So I guess that convert me is is aimed at um, solving problems like that. Exactly. Yeah. So the the way we kind of came up that was we have um, a stream of work which we call sort of our everyday banking mm-hmm. journey. We try and think beyond what the essence of that is to think beyond just traditional banking. Think it of all the kind of moments that banking pops up into people's lives um, in everyday situations and um, how we can then uh, play a role um, and just make things a little bit easier. What you start to tend to find is that um, you you start to push the boundaries of traditional banking of where you need to turn up for customers. So you need to start thinking of, of different types of solutions. And so, yeah, like that, that app has been... Um, pretty successful already, and so it'll be interesting to see how uh, how it continues to develop. So I've had a we we play with it, and, and and it seems pretty good to me. The the question I have though is why is it an app all of its own? Why isn't it just a, a feature that you build into you know the normal banking app? Why do we need another app? So so that's actually a really good question, and you know our strategy is not to have like a whole range of apps like our main back. Our main app, as I said at the beginning, is our banking app. But there's kind of two reasons why we did it as a separate app. Um, so firstly, um, we didn't want it to just be for BNZ customers. We wanted it to be for kind of anyone who's in that uh, situation. And so the reality is that if we um, just put it within the BNZ 
banking app, the majority of people aren't going to necessarily going to go and download that. So, so, got, so what's the what's the what's stretch. the justification? What's the justification for that? Sorry to interrupt, but you know, you, you're BNZ. You've got customers. They pay your bills. Why why are you making yep. an app for the Westpac and the ASB and the ANZ customers? So I suppose we're just trying. We like it's a common customer pain point, regardless of whether it's a BNZ customer or another bank's customer. So we think there's something there that can help those that those customers. Um, and so that's kind of one reason why we um, put it as a separate. But look, the other reason is is that like this is partly an experiment. You know, um, we we're not we weren't one hundred percent sure of how successful this was going to be. Um, and so um, rather than put that into the main mobile app, um, uh, we had to um, we, we wanted to just sort of test and see. And so actually, if it is super successful and we continue to see lots of engagement around it, then we um, will put it into the main app like we can do that. And 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 if it turns out to be a, a fizzer, you just you know you quietly turn it off and and no harm done, I guess. Absolutely, that's the that's kind of the the main thing, and that's like you know when we look at um, our um, uh, payment uh, wallets, like that's the reason why we've gone with third parties. We don't want to be carrying around doing um, focusing on separate apps that you know um, and and kind of diverting our resources into things that pay, maybe other people can do better. So you said an interesting thing about the conversion app. You said it was a bit of an experiment. Now, you know, I've had a bit to do with banks over the years, including for, for some time in my advertising career with BNZ. And experimentation was not a word that I, I would usually asso- associate closely with banking. I mean, last time I checked in that you know, big building of yours, you've got an entire floor of people called risk who are all about, you know, not experimenting and not taking chances and making sure things happen how they're meant to. How does the digital mindset of, you know, try things, get into market, if they work, they work, if they don't, they don't. How does that sit inside a bank? Yeah, look, I mean, we're definitely, um, you know, if you take the the traditional uh, stereotype of banking, it's kind of a stiff upper lip, very process-driven, very risk-averse, conservative mindset, we're actually slow, we're bureaucratic often in many cases. Um, and so, but increasingly, you know, we're also technology firms. Um, and so how do you bring out that culture and what you need to be successful in a technology space? And I think look, the way we have that conversation is we think it's actually about reducing risk because um, you can't 100% know whether something is going to be successful or not. So rather than um, put all your eggs in one basket, we kind of want to try and, and like our, our philosophy on this is like, what's the least amount of work, the least amount of waste um, we can do to understand or learn something new, test a hypothesis. And so actually we sort of see this as a better way of building software to hit the requirements of customers, knowing that you cannot be 100% certain about anything in the future. But culturally, is is there still a bit of a, a bit of a disconnect? You know, when, when you when you in your hoodie, I don't know if you wear a hoodie, but <laughs> my cliched imagining of you wears a hoodie. You know, when you get into the lift with a banker with a capital B, do you kind of look at each other and go, these are not my people, or is it just one big happy family? Um, look, I think overall, you know, there's a lot of people with beards. There's a lot of people who wear hoodies in the uh, digital team. And, um, you know, I was, we just ran an innovation day uh, just last week. And um, we kind of had people working on um, all sorts of different things. We gave them 24 hours to uh, come up with something new. They worked with 
uh, people they hadn't normally worked with. Um, and the kind of, when we were judging at the end, the thing that really struck me was like, wow, like we work in a bank because it just didn't feel like a bank. But when you kind of bring other people into that environment, they're actually, you know, it kind of livens them up as well. And so actually um, it uh, shows other people um, within the bank different ways of working. Look, there's no, there's no lying. This can be like it's a hard cultural transformation, but that's not just a hard cultural transformation for banks. It's a hard cultural transformation for pretty, any, pretty much anyone who's working in um, a, a technology uh, in large-scale enterprises. But, you know, I think when you kind of show people what the opportunity is, um, you know, they, they, they come on board. And actually some of our most traditional parts of the uh, bank actually work um, most successfully with us because um, they can see what some of the opportunity is for doing things differently. So so flipping it round, if you're, you're the chief digital officer, you're trying to attract good digital talent. Is, what's the pitch if you're trying to convince someone not to go and work at uh, TradeMe or Vend or one of those awesome companies and, yeah. and instead come to work for a bank? What, what's the sell? So, look, I think that's a really good question and it's something that plays on my mind the, the whole time. And, you know, whilst uh, we are increasingly operating in a digital world and we're increasingly a, a technology company, um, actually it's people who make the difference and attracting the best people is um, something that is going to, we think, differentiate us in, in the future. So we spend a lot of time thinking about how can we create an environment where people um, don't think they're coming to work for a bank, but actually they really uh, want to, um, they, they see us as a, uh, an employer um, equally to play, places like Zero, Vend, and uh, and Trade Me, and so you know I think the one thing that I kind of reflect on on this is it's around providing people with a purpose. Like at B and Z, our whole purpose is about helping customers be good with money, um, so they can do great things with it. And so um, that's actually a really worthwhile thing to work on. It's a kind of really hard problem. It's a gnarly problem to try and solve. Um, and so people, you know, can rally behind that. They find that that's an interesting, um, you know, topic to get involved in. And, and so for me, one of the most important things is, is hiring smart people, but giving them the opportunity to have an impact on, on that purpose. You know, far too often I see in organizations, what they really want to do is that they, they hire super smart people and then they tell them what to do. And so I think, and maybe that comes back to that, you know, that cultural challenge is that probably mm-hmm. the biggest thing that we face is actually providing teams with the autonomy and, and which is often quite contradictory to the, you know, the traditional hierarchy, command and control um, environments that you find in, you know, big, large organisations. Hey, speaking to Stephen Bow, Chief Digital Officer at BNZ, back soon. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. And welcome back to Sunday Social, talking to, well, talking to someone from a bank for a change, from BNZ Chief Digital Officer Stephen Bow. Stephen, welcome back. Hey, Vaughn. Hey, you recently, um, I know it's not all about the awards, but hell, I, I come from advertising, so it is all about the awards. Um, BNZ was recently awarded Best Digital Bank in New Zealand and Most Innovative Bank in Asia Pacific. So what, what's the story behind that? What role did uh, the digital team's work play in those wins? Okay, so, um, look, it's something that we're, we're, we're pretty proud of. It's obviously nice to be recognised. Um, uh, you know, I think the thing about awards, it's um, 
you know, what, what's most innovative bank? What's the best digital bank? It's kind of hard to be able to put your finger on what it really means. Um, but we're certainly proud um, that someone external has recognised the work that we're doing. I think there's probably two or three things in it from BNZ's perspective. So I think, like, you know, over the last 12 months, we've shown a real commitment to improving the capabilities that we've got in our channels. So we've launched a lot of, we think, um, differentiating capability from both you know, Apple Pay and Google Pay, our card control features, um, push notifications. And I think we've, we've continued to um, turn out change at a regular basis. I think we, we update our channels probably three or four times a week. What, what, does, that, what does that mean? Actually, updating your channels three or four times a week, I've got no idea what that means. What does it mean? So we, we deploy new capability into the channels. What, what, is, what, does, that, what does that mean? So we really, we, so when you go into the online banking channel, you are, there's new functionality that's available. Now, it might be very small changes, um, but across the different channels, so internet banking, across mobile banking, gotcha. across the website. Gotcha. Okay, so, um, so the app and the website, just, they don't just sit the same for months on end. They're, they're always being improved. Absolutely. So I think that's one thing that we've really, over the last, you know, 12 months, I think we've seen some fairly significant changes um, from BNZ. I think though overall, we feel our channels are quite differentiated in the market. Like a lot of online banking channels, they're, they're kind of transactional banking engines. Mm -hmm. We've tried to bring to life in the BNZ channels, like how you move from just transactional banking to financial outcomes, so helping customers um, achieve the goals that they want. And I think the BNZ channels really... Um, do enable that. I think just one example I'll give you, which I am like quite proud of the work that we've done with the team, is um, we allow customers to change their make changes to their um, home loan uh, repayment. Mm -hmm. um, when they did that, um, so since they've done that, we've saved customers over 380 million of uh, future um, interest payments. We've allowed, um, we've saved 103,000 years of mortgages. The average customer's saved five and a half years off their mortgage. So th this is something this is something that previously you would have had to front up the bank, you know, Correct. sign some forms, get a lawyer, go talk to one of those, you know, goblins at Gringotts and, and, and fingers crossed you'll be allowed to change your, your, your payment amount. Absolutely. And I think, you know, so the most interesting thing about this capability is that 67% of those payments or changes have been for less than 50 bucks. So less than 50 bucks are sort of fortnight. So if you think about that, um, that is, um, you know, the, equiv or the equivalent of a cup of coffee a day. So, like, if we can try and help people find those, um, you know, spending opportunities, um, like, that's the impact that we can have. And so that's one of the things that, you know, we really try to bring to life in the channels. It's not just a marketing logo. It's actually something we really believe in and, and focus on heavily. And we think that's hopefully one of the things that has been recognised in these awards. So we, we talked about experimentation before the break. Um, what hasn't worked? You mean, you've, you've been doing this five, six years. Um, what, what things have you tried and you've gone, you know what? Well, we tried. Let's not do that anymore. Um, yeah, look, there's been kind of uh, like... There's been lots of things, but I think you tend to make small steps um, uh, forward. And as you're learning, you kind of then pivot your, you know, um, 
your direction. So the first plays that we made in the digital wallet, like they weren't successful. Um, I so, think, so what? What's a digital wallet? So it allows you to pay with um, with your phone. Yep. And so, yeah, like it was, we um, partnered with um, uh, some of the telcos in New Zealand and one of the other banks. Ah, uh, this was um, this was called Symbol, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Symbol. And I remember like that. The intention was good, and it just, um, you know, it was just a bit too clunky, a bit too onerous for customers. And so, you know, um, since then we've pivoted and we've um, adopted Google Pay and Apple Pay, and and they've been usually successful. The the process around those, there's just a a few less barriers to make for for customers to be able to access those services. So so you're you're... constantly re-looking at what we're doing. So you're in the, you're in the digital team, so you'll have a, a somewhat um, biased view of this, perhaps. But if if I'm sitting at home listening and going, you know, I like uh, going to my branch, I like my checkbook, I like my statements coming into the mail, you know, and um, you know, I like having them there on yep. paper. Is, is there a future in that sort of banking, or is it inevitably going to disappear? So, look. Banking will change, um, all industries will change. Um, look, one of the things I say to my uh, my team, and to be aware of it, I, I really do believe that the last person off the BNZ website will happen a lot earlier than the last person out of the BNZ store. Um, I think we can see it already, internet banking, traffic is declining, website traffic is declining, it is all shifting to mobile. We don't see digital as a kind of either-or. So we think that it's actually a complementary solution. Um, it allows people to be connected with their money like they've never been able to be previously. However, you know, in moments of real stress, in, in problems, when, when, when you're uncertain, People want to talk to people. Um, I think I still have always maintained the nature of the digital world, not just in digital banking, is, is about connecting people. So I think um, uh, the nature of stores will change, but I think people will continue to play a really important part, role in, in banking. And, uh, you know, I talked to some people who've been with BNZ and worked with BNZ for over 50 years. I kind of asked them the type of roles that used to be there and you know, banking has changed, and they've seen it, and banking will continue to change. But the, the people will always be... So you're not about to uh, roll out one of those horrific video service agents that ASB's done? <laughs> I think, look, you know, you've got to look at technology. I think the most interesting part about some of these, um, you know, uh, bots and, um, you know, virtual agents is not necessarily the tech themselves, but it's how the interface is going to move. And I think that's really important to be able to experiment with that, understand um, what that might mean for the implications um, of, the, of the experiences you, you deliver. Like we really do think um, they may be one of the prime reasons behind traffic to the website declining. So we need to think about how uh, we interact with that. But at the same time, we're very we don't believe that that's going to transform banking in the next six months. So so neither a yes nor a no, which is a good way to end it. Hey, uh, Stephen Bow from BNZ, thank you so much for joining me on Sunday Social. You're welcome, and thanks for having me.
Hey, and you can listen back to that whole entire interview or indeed any of the interviews we've done here on the show over the years at radiolive.co.nz under Shows and Sunday Social or head on over to iTunes and download the podcast. After the break, Mr. Paul Brislin is in the house with why Dick Smith is so upset and we have got the very best Taupanga for your smartphone. Back soon. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis on Radio Live. Welcome back to to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis with you right through till 8. Kia ora, Paul. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Now, you won't have have missed because we were talking about this in the break, Mm. but it's Māori Language Week. Uh, I I gathered as such. You gathered as such. I did. And, and of course, that means that um, every company in New Zealand for (laughs) one week a year cares... Which, so which is which you could say is better than nothing, but uh, it, it is it is I don't know it's become a bit of a commercial opportunity. Well, it has, hasn't it? There's yeah. everybody's everybody's getting involved. The advertising suddenly evolves. The front page of your paper might not quite look the same, and of course there are always the apps. There are the apps. Although before we, I, I noticed I noticed the other day walking down um, Ponsonby Road, which is near where I live, and I'm I'm talking slowly because I'm trying As he to scrolls uh, through his phone. Here it is. Um, Trade me or um, Tau Hawko, uh as oh. as Trade Me has rebranded itself for the week. Um, says that 1,489 people are using their app in Te Reo Māori. That's that. pretty good, actually. <coughs> it's I quite, it's quite a number. That it, is that is a number indeed. Uh, I'm all for it. I think the more you can do to pre- preserve uh, and protect uh, language, language is the heart of culture, let's get on to do a little bit of that. You can't tell that I grew up in Wales where every street sign and every um, single government document is written in both English and Welsh for um, for all to see. Uh, it makes for a very expensive government and I think it's well worth it. And and very, very sort of teetery street signs because they'd be about they a, a, me- a metre long. Some of them do wrap around quite a long they way. They come around, come yes. around, come around the, go around the corner. Um, my my first uh, word of the night is taupanga, taupanga, oh. and that means app. And it turns out that you have one. You've shown it to me. I You've have. had a bit of a play. Um, you can tell from the tone of voice that this is not entirely good. Well, it, it, it could have been better. But it was, as you say, it is, it, is, um, it is that time when apps come out. This is Kupu, I want to say, from Spark. Uh, basically, it's, it's a, a dictionary app. So you point your phone, um, download the app, point your phone at a piece of writing in English, and it will translate it into Māori for you. Or not? Sounds good though. Sounds, Sounds good. good. I like the sound of it. I had a look at the app. It's called Kupu, and uh, as you say, by Spark, absolutely beautiful. They have thrown everything at the look of this thing. It's got beautiful imagery, um, little sort of interstitial animations and yep. things. Looks like a million bucks. Uh, however, when you point it at words, what happens? Um, it, <coughs> it 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 gets a little confused as to what it is you're pointing it at. So I um, I had a block of text and a newspaper pointed the camera at it. Uh, it translated one word, but it didn't tell me which word it had translated, which was a little bit tricky. So then I wrote down a word on a piece of paper and pointed the camera at it, and it didn't read that at all, uh, which I'm well, going to blame I've got, my I've got, handwriting. I've got better handwriting than you because I, I wrote pig on a piece of paper, and it translated that, but it, it translated it to uh, a word which uh, meant font. Yes, which, which is isn't strange. No. Uh, and there are a lot of Maori words for pig. So you would have thought it would have picked one of the ones it, that it, it was. It, it However, one of them. so 
Um, at least they're having a go. They the, are. The, the, called, the app is called Kupu. It, it is built on top of uh, Google Translate and Google Lens, I think, is the name of the thing that does that visual translation. It will only get better. That's in, right. In the meantime, though, I've got uh, – this is probably a lesson in how to make an app. Um, there's a, a crowd called Lifelight, mm. and um, they've made an app called Learn Māori. Uh, it's certainly on Android. It might be on iOS. And it is a lot simpler it doesn't try to do as much. All it does is shows you uh, a series of pictures of things and its Māori name, and then you must type in from the letters available. So they might it's, it's a bit like reverse Scrabble. Yeah. You might have 12 letters from which you've got to type the, the, the five-letter name of, you know, mountain. If you've got maunga, then a picture become. of the mountain, you, you, you type mountain. And if, if it says kakariki, you type in green and so on. Nice. Uh, and then after you've done 25 or so, it switches the other way around. Ooh. So it'll say mountain, and you go, oh, what was that? Oh, I knew that one. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. dead That's simple. Excellent. Dead simple. It's a, it's, it's a vocabulary game. It's nothing more than that, but it's really cool. Uh, and it's that's called Learn Māori by, by Lifelight. That, Lifelight. Lifelight. And that's I'm going to have the, a look to see if it's on the App Store for the um, for the other side. For the uh, for the iPhone, which I think is quite cool. Um, I was actually, I, I got to I got to thinking, um, I, sh- I should look up some, um, some Te Reo words for the things we talk about every mm. day. And I've already mentioned Taupanga, which is app, but uh, I like this one, which is uh, Ipurangi. Ipurangi means source or stream, literally, but that means internet. Internet, that's really quite nice. <coughs> Which I quite Ipurangi. like. Ipurangi, I've seen that somewhere else um, in corporate life. It's, pro- it's probably in the name of something. Probably. <coughs> like probably. Internet NZ. Well, it could well be I'm Internet guessing. NZ. I would, yes, yeah. Um, and and this, one, this one's quite neat too because it, it, it's a beautiful sounding word uh, and when you compare it to the ugly English word, you go, why don't we just use this one? Uh, it's uh, tohumarau and it means, it means hashtag. Oh, much better. Hashtags awful Much word. better. It is. It is. It's terribly confusing. We've, we've already established that uh, taupanga means app. And then social media. So this is pai papaho papori. And that means social media or to broadcast in public. Oh, yeah. like Vox Pops. Oh, I like that. That's very nice. I quite pai like it. Pai papaho papori. Yeah. Ah. Quite neat. Well, we're in. That's we are good. in. So we've got a whole week of it. We've got a whole week of good, it. Good, um, good. And nothing says Māori Language Week much like two white men standing in a studio talking about words they can't pronounce properly. Well, it's funny you should mention white men because I have uh, – I was – I was no, once I confronted, uh, I discovered – Yes. I discovered uh, this afternoon the rantings of a white man. And uh, this, this is a um, – this this is a, a, a man whose name everyone will have heard, but you you might not even realise he's still alive. He is very much alive. His name is Dick Smith. He lives, I think, um, on the east coast of Australia. And have a listen to this. He's not happy. Hi, it's Dick Smith here, and I'm bloody angry. I'm going to give you a story of millions of dollars being extorted out of hundreds and thousands of small Australian family businesses and being shipped off to a a few billionaires in the United States. It's an outrageous story. Please send this video around to everyone because we can do something about it. Let me tell you the story. A couple of weeks ago, I was listening to Macca on Australia All Over, that's wonderful show, and a bloke came on who owned a motel and he said, 
Also, just one other thing, Maggie. You've probably seen this annoying female that runs around and, and attacks our TV every night telling us it's cheaper to buy online. Just want to let people know that it's far easier. If you contact the motel direct, you'll get a better deal and you will with those guys. And, and all the money that they, they're charging motels anywhere between 15 and 30% in commission. And all that money goes overseas. And they're not paying tax in Australia either. Now, I was incredibly mystified because I go to my iPhone to, do, to look up a hotel I key in something like you know, mudgy accommodation, and of course all these other names come up, What If and uh, uh, Travago and Bookings.com and so forth, and I didn't know much about them. Paul, what's, what's, what's happening to mudgy accommodation? Well, the, the, world, the world of the internet is somehow conspiring, stealing, stealing, stealing money, money from mudgy. Oh, Where's dear. Mudgy? Poor old Mudgy. I've, a, I've never been to Mudgy. Um, it's probably near Katumba and Woomera and some other places. But um, I think what, what's going on here is that Dick has discovered um, that companies pay to advertise their wares online and that this costs money and that that money goes to the company that advertises their wares. And by crikey, um, it's a rort. Well, it's I, a terrible rort, and you're in advertising. You'd know what a rort it is. I've, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I'm with Dick, um, <laughs> and I'm with Dick for this reason because he he makes the interesting point, uh, if true, yes, that fifty percent of the hotel bookings in Australia yep. are made through these aggregator sites, your Wattis, are, your, are, your yep. Travago, and stuff like that, and that is slicing up to 30% out of the out of the room rate Great. for the, so we'll use uh, those for the hotelier. And I'll, so we'll look at those. So what you're saying, in fact, is that 50% of their bookings come from these sites. And, that, and they're not any more busy than they oh, were. Oh, no, that's not what he said. They don't, no, there's no, there's no hint in there in his video that they are no less busy or any more busy. I'm going to say that their bookings have gone up by 50% because suddenly they can reach oh, you just all these Americans you just and all these up. Europeans coming to travel. <clears throat> no, so let's say it's gone up. up by 50%. He's only paying 15 to 30% of his take in order to get this fantastic opportunity. What a godsend the internet has been for, where is it? Mudgy. Mudgy. No, I, I am on the side of Dick. And you I, are? And, you I'm, are? and I am on the side of Mudgy. And, and the, the, the other point he makes is is that millions of dollars, mm. and I think he made the, um, some several millions of dollars from, million. from um, some town, not yeah. Mudgy, some other town, yeah. every year, being shipped tax free to the states because the transactions go that's right all offshore, these transactions and then, go offshore and then the the seven year remaining seventy percent trickles back yeah yeah now I am with you on that although these numbers are a bit off because what he said is one hundred and twenty million I think he's talking about um, Tasmania mm. uh, one hundred and twenty million goes offshore in a ten year period which is only twelve million a year which is slightly less however having said that I agree I do think all of these companies should be paying tax in their local markets if the business is conducted in Australia then the tax should be paid in Australia. And the same with New Zealand. We've got too many of the big guys who say, oh, actually, no, uh, we, we have to buy a licence off our parent company, which just happens to equate to all our profit going offshore. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, very, it's very unprofitable being Google. Oh, apparently so. Very, 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 very. Un, unprofitable. Um, Google Australia New Zealand has a new chief. We should get her on the show. Oh, we should. Uh, but I, I, honestly, I think uh, go have a listen to Dick's rant. It is a good rant. Track it down. It's a very good rant. You can hear him shaking his fist at the clouds. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm just pleased. I, for one, am pleased to see he is so full 
of vim and vigor at whatever age he is, 112, 100, I think. At least 112. 112, 112 yeah. 20% off uh, holiday sales, so <laughs> now, he's, now he's 82. Um, one more one more jurisdiction story, um, yes. putting the Dexmeth into jurisdiction. Yeah. <laughs> um, In-flight Wi-Fi censoring shock. This is another Australian thing. I, I must... I'm, my, 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 my devices must think I'm in Australia because I'm being served up these Australian stories. <laughs> so an Australian blogger right. flew to China. Okay. And he was on, I think, China Southern yep. or China Eastern. They're, they're all just points of the compass, the Chinese airlines, they, they basically. Are. There's no Dragon Air, <clears throat> which you would expect. And no sooner had he taken off from um, Sydney, mm. he logged into the free Wi-Fi on his Chinese... Um, Airline flight, which, yep. which, oh, salient point, was booked through Qantas. So it was one of these co- oh, code share. share. So it was a, yeah. it was a Qantas flight to, to, to Beijing, but yep. it was operated by China yep. Southern. So you turn up and it's so, the wrong coloured airplane <clears> and away you go. Yeah, booked onto the free Wi-Fi and, and discovered to his surprise that Facebook wasn't working. Oh. Uh, Google wasn't doing so well. Mm. A lot of news sites he used to go to uh, a lot were not really working at all. Yep. And what had happened is the so-called Great Firewall of China right. was being applied on the aeroplane. Before it's even <clears throat> left Australia. Isn't Bef- that quite yeah. remarkable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Every- I guess the, the, um, the aircraft is considered part of... Chinese territorial um, authority. Turns out it is. So you're not right even from so Ill. you're not even allowed to have more than one child on those aeroplanes. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, kid. All the Number laws two, apply. Sling your hook. All the yeah, laws yeah, apply. Yeah, yeah, yes. That's very interesting. This whole idea, though, that you can um, somehow censor the internet by locking it down. I mean, it's gaining a lot of um, popularity amongst politicians, but it is still farcical and um, it is still more annoying than is useful. I think. Well, that's, it seems to be working on board these aeroplanes. Mm. Well, you know, uh, if uh, if you've got um, the ability to do it, then, you know, um, perhaps controlling access to information is the way of the future. But uh, certainly I don't think it's going to catch on terribly well outside of that. Mind you, having said that, you've got Donald, who's very keen on it. Let's uh, limit access to um, people who disagree with me. And uh, uh, the, um, the Five Eyes group have all just met and said, oh, we'd really quite like that kind of capability ourselves. They have. So they, they, they want backdoor access to our, um, our tech companies. Not, not backdoor. Our... They want front door access over to the companies to decide how to do this. But uh, we'll tell you, here's the new law that gives everyone access to messages or to uh, encrypted information. If you can't provide it, well, we'll just lock you up. Never trust anyone with five eyes. I don't even trust four eyes people. No, 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 no. Three eyes. Three well, eyes. they're okay. Three eyes. Yeah, the third eyes. eye. The third hey, eye. Uh, after the break, the uh, the apps and websites you just need to get through the week. Back soon. Your portal to the world of tech and social media. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. On Radio Live. Kia ora, Paul. Welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. You now, good? before we talk about the apps, before yes. we talk about the apps, yes. um, you, you you can't do much with an app if you don't have a phone in the first place. And your Ooh. daughter, who's a regular visitor to the studio, <gasps> um, spent some time without hers she was, this she week. Was what happened? Phoneless. What happened? Um, uh, she does dance at school. Puts the bag down in the corner of the of the um, of the dance room. Um, they carry on. When she comes back at the end of the lesson, phone's gone. No. Yep. Gone. Gone like a gone thing. So she, um, thanks for the joy-fingered schoolmate. Well, potentially, yes, yes. But somebody was in the class. It's rather odd. However, she's still got her laptop. So she messages me from the laptop. Dad, can you do that find your phone thing? 
And uh, because this is how I wake her up in the mornings, I go to find my phone and it says, oh, you know, your phone's around somewhere. Um, play a sound and it's very loud and it's very annoying. So that gets her out of bed in the mornings. So I do that, um, but find my phone says, oh, the phone is completely switched off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say, did you switch very your quickly. phone off? She said no. And yes, exactly. Somebody switched it off very quickly. However, I then managed to uh, ring Vodafone, lock the phone completely. So it is now a brick. Nobody can sell it. Oh, they so, can't th- move so that it. can they be will... done from the network. They Well, it's, it's a blacklisting. So if it pops up on the network again, uh, it's totally useless. So, but that's only on the Vodafone network, No, right? no, any network in New Zealand. Is the three right? of them talk to each other. So, yes, yeah, yeah. So uh, this is all run through the powers of the Telco Carriers Forum. They all got together and said, we need to blacklist phones because people are buying them, uh, stealing them, and then just flogging them off on trading. Down the pub. Down the pub, whatever. Um, here, mate. But you, you do that. It's a bit of a, one, bit of a one-way trip, though, because once you've, you've, your phone gets stolen, you yep. call your Telco, they blacklist it, brick it, essentially. Yep. That means that you can't do the find your phone, and no, you, and no. you can't do the you can't um, do power of persuasion. Try and text your own phone no, number and no. try and convince them to do the right thing. Well, uh, and fortunately, in her case, um, the phone was handed in the very next day back at reception at the school's office by somebody who said, "Oh, it was in the boys' changing rooms. So I don't know how it got there." Really? So that was rather odd, um, uh, and we were able to call Vodafone, they reinstalled the authorities and back it came and the phone had been wiped because that was one of the things I tried to do uh, and it had been wiped so we used the backup because of course she backs up her phone regularly as you should all do listeners, her last backup was about a year ago Oh, so yeah, so she's lost everything since then however, she's got a phone back she now knows not to leave it anywhere near the um, the, the door and um, job done. So apart from enabling uh, find my iPhone or yep. find my phone on, on Android, um, the nuclear option of bricking your phone yes, through the you – know, which, is, which is just really resentful on your part to just just to stop it being sold. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, how do you sold. do that? How do you so do you that? just literally just ring your telco, um, yep. say to them, uh, this phone's been stolen. They asked me for a PIN number. I guessed wildly, and lo and behold, it was the PIN number that I had somehow magically at some point installed on the phone. And they said, great, we have locked that down. Each phone, even if they take the SIM card out, the phone itself has still a unique has ID. a unique ID. Mm. Exactly. So that is what they look for. If it pops up on the network anywhere in New Zealand, um, any of the three networks, they will um, refuse to allow it on the network. It's useless unless you want to put it in a container and ship it to China or somewhere else. But there's nothing you can do, even if they flash the thing and reinstall the operating system. All that jazz is not going to work. It is bulletproof. It is. It's fabulous. So well done, Vodafone. Thank you very much for that. Good work. Hey, uh, I've, I've got a, a wholesome game. Oh, wholesome. We like wholesome. I think it's wholesome. Is it G-rated? Yes, it is. General audience? Yes, it is. For, it's, it's for all audiences, providing you have fingers. It's the Winnie the Pooh of games. It is the Winnie the Pooh of games. Yeah. Uh, although Pooh, uh, you know, that, that won't make it through certain spam no, filters. So that's very true. That is true. Um, Winnie this, the Pooh's not as friendly this as This is a typing oh, game. I now, love typing. this is becoming... I kid you not, mm. super popular among young teenagers, teenagers and teenagers. Good. Try it on yours. Good. Uh, it is called nitro typing, and I wish I, I wish well I wish many things. I, I wish this game existed um, thirty years ago. Are you a two finger typer these days? No. I, well, I suppose I am. I, yeah. I, I can I bash it about 60, 65 words a minute just just through. Well, that's pretty through good for two fingers. Native and, native you know, native cunning with your tongue out. Yep. 
Going for it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, but I wish I'd learned to type because mm. at Hudson's Immediate, the boys were not allowed to learn to type because that was that was lady girls. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, I know that uh, Fairfield College in Hamilton, uh, a friend of mine was taking typing and we said, what are you, you big girls? Play? He said, there's me and 24 girls in my class. And that boy grew up to be Steve Jobs. And he was very popular. Yep. And he can type as well as being popular. So I wish, I could, I, wish I could type better. But yep. uh, redemption is at hand. The game is called Nitro Typing. And it's, it's really quite hokey and uh, low rent. But you look up nitrotype.com. It looks, looks like an old 80s computer game. A couple of sentences appear on a little screen in front of you. And when it says go, you just got to type them. You type you gotta, as fast you, as you can. You've got to type them as fast yep. and as accurately as you can. But here's the thing that makes it, you know, multiplayer, massive multiplayer online um, gaming ma- gaming yep. stuff. You type against five other people oh, from around the world on the internet. It. And not only do you type, but this is the nitro part, your typing speed, your accurate typing speed, drives a racing car. No, that's so, so nice. The so it races type, around the track. Yep. the far, Well, it's not even that high tech. It races oh, along a screen. Oh, along the bottom. Straight line. Um <laughs> Yeah, they programmed it before lunchtime, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the faster you type, the faster your car goes, and you go oh, into different leagues and get points and, and, and move your way up the typing Grand Prix. Nice, <coughs> nice. So yeah. I can I can actually touch type, so I can do 80 or 90, but I used to work with a bunch of people who could seriously type, so 100-plus words a minute easily. And when you're like that, you are much more efficient at getting content down on the page than anybody else. It's just remarkable. Well, although, 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 is is this just a transient technology? And you know, will voice recognition get that good in well, in, in the near future? Because it's got a hell of a lot better in the last ten oh, years. Oh, it really has. <clears throat> the other day, I asked Dragon Siri, Dragon um, Dictate. If you remember that, <laughs> I do remember Dragon Dictate. Um, but I was at a demo of Dragon Dictate, um, watching a man um, hoarsely whispering. Oh, roughly a oh, hundred years decades ago. ago. Decades, decades ago. ago. Uh, and he was saying the same thing. This will replace typing. You could hardly hear him because he was so hoarse from talking all day. This will replace typing. Uh, and we all laughed at him and pointed because it clearly won't because you actually do exhaust your voice quite easily. Oh, do you think that's the limit? I think it is. I, I hadn't think, thought you know, about that. When you are typing all day, every day, if you're thinking about data input and yep. all those jobs that do require very fast typing skills, much faster to type than no to one, speak. No one can talk that much. No, you can't talk that much. I hadn't, I, I'm a bit hoarse now just thinking, I hadn't even thought about that. You're a little horse. So maybe maybe I'm pony. Yeah. Um, may, maybe the uh, maybe the growth industry here is uh, investing in your throat yeah. lozenges. <laughs> Voice dictation software and... I've got a I've got a Siri throat. Yeah, it's like a sore throat. But it's but you're a, quite right about voice rec technology. I said to Siri the other day, my wife and daughter went to see um, uh, Rich Crazy Crazy Rich Asians. Rich yes, Cra- yeah, yes. yeah, the movie. And they said, "Who's who's the blonde woman?" And I asked Siri, "Who is the blonde actress in Crazy Rich, Rich, Crazy yeah. Rich Asians?" And it said, oh, hmm, I've found these websites for you. And the first one that came up was a cast list for the movie. Look at um, that. It was quite astonishing. I'm, I'm using, I'm using, I'm just going bananas on voice. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've just got a new um, Amazon Echo Spot. Oh. Which is about the size of a cricket ball with a screen on it. Oh, that, oh, that's I don't quite know what the screen's for yet. No, it's no. got a clock. And if I say, hey, Alexa, show me a picture of a fish, it'll yeah. show me a picture of a fish. But I know what a fish looks like. <laughs> but you do, I'll so be honest. Okay. But, yeah, but yeah. you know, and it shows these scrolling headlines and bits and pieces. Uh, and I'm talking to my car now through Android yes. Android Auto. Yep, yep. Got to talk to you. Would not go back. No. Would not go back. You know, yep. um, hey, Google, navigate home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Which or you... I say, um, send, send Janice a text message, and it says, great, what do you want to say? And I say, I'm running late. Do you need me to pick anything up? It says, ready now to send? I say, yes, and off it goes. We are in the future. Hey, Paul Brislin, thank you so much for joining me as always. Anytime. Always good. Uh, Stephen Bowe from BNZ. That was a humdinger interview. Thank you, Saskia. In the booth on the buttons, next up, Graham Hill. I'm Vaughan Davis. Nighty night.